Uh, Hurricane Fiona was, uh, you know, it was a pretty bad storm when it slammed into Canada's Atlantic provinces, obviously. Do you know there's still some people in the Maritimes that don't have power? It's two weeks tomorrow. Still, some people don't have power uh, in the Maritimes. Uh, packed a powerful punch, too. The damage is catastrophic in a lot of places. The federal government's come up with $300 million to help rebuild, but money may not be the biggest issue here. Joining us to tell us about some of the issues they are facing, we have Duncan Williams. Uh, Duncan is the president of the Construction Association of Nova Scotia. Duncan, thanks so much for joining us. I appreciate your time. Good morning, Shay. So, so on... So obviously that $300 million, welcome, uh, and, and a big part of the rebuilding process. But that might, might not be the biggest issue, right? There's other issues that you're facing in terms of getting a, a timely rebuild started here, right? Yeah, no question about it. I mean, uh, we've been facing a, a labor challenge for uh, a number of years now. Uh, it's been exacerbated, of course, through COVID. And then throw in a hurricane uh, that slammed most of our area pretty hard, um, it exacerbated it even more. So uh, the biggest issue right now is what? Finding people? Finding work? Or workers, and I mean? There's plenty of work. <laughs> exactly, work right? Complete work. <laughs> yeah. yeah, so, uh, you know, all the work that was going on, we've, we've got a booming economy in, in Nova Scotia, um, record economy, uh, record cranes in the air in, you know, the metro area of Halifax in particular. Um and on top of that, now we've got the residents who've been uh, impacted by Fiona. And, of course, that's upping the need for maintenance, restoration, um, trades as well. Um, in terms of what was going on in Nova Scotia before the storm, you were dealing with the same thing that everybody else in the country was dealing with, right? Namely, those labor shortages, soaring project costs. So this, is it, I mean, for lack of a better term, a perfect storm that you're dealing with here? Yeah, and I've been trying to avoid using that word, yeah, but yeah. Uh, yeah, very much so. Um, you know, this is not news to anybody that we're going to be in this labor crunch, uh, but I think most predictions would have had it a few years out from now, uh, that it would have really been uh, felt the most. And, you know, I go back to Dr. David Foote's book called Boom Bust Echo. He published probably 20-some years ago, uh, and he predicted this very, very thing that was going to happen. It wasn't some witchcraft. It was statistics. So he was using demographic information to try to inform uh, decision makers and leaders that, you know, we need to pay attention to this or we're going to have a, a huge problem when the baby boomers start to use the yeah. workforce. Yeah, we saw this coming. We talked about that on the show earlier this week. You're absolutely right. So in order of uh, tackling the job that's in front of you right now, uh, what are you thinking? What's the plan? Well, you know, we're working with a number of uh, government departments. We're working with municipalities. We're working with the federal government, of course, and then uh, our own contracting membership to try and come up with what are some creative solutions that we can can adopt, uh, you know, what needs to be done first, prioritizing uh, to try and get, you know, the basic essentials necessary for uh, life and, and safety um, to be rebooted first and then everything else secondary. So it really is... Unfortunately, it's prioritizing and, you know, there's always going to be people that are negatively affected by that, unfortunately, because we just don't have the materials either on top of the labor. Um, that's a huge challenge because of the disruption in supply chains. Yeah, I mean, how do you even prioritize? I'm like, obviously, we know that there's some people that don't have homes. I mean, their homes were washed into the sea. So how do you even start to put together a list of, OK, this is this is what we need to start with? So obviously you move from uh, what's important to sustaining life first, right? Water, 
septic food uh, shelter, you know, and, uh, you know, the emergency measures organizations, uh, the Red Cross have been instrumental in that. The, the Canadian forces are involved as well. Uh, so there's a, there's a lot of parties at the table uh, taking care of helping rebuild the infrastructure needed, uh, housing those who've been without uh, power and without homes even uh, in, in safe locations, and then trying to get power back on as safely as, as possible. We had, I, I don't know the exact number, but it, it's probably close to a thousand holes, I would guess, that have come down across uh, Nova Scotia alone. So um, you can imagine the work to go back and do, to putting all that infrastructure back in place and doing it safely. Have you put out calls for help from across the country? I mean, or I guess that's what we're doing right now, right? Lots of work to be done. <laughs> Yeah, uh, you know, not to turn it into a campaign, but if, <laughs> if you have surplus uh, folks, there's a lot of Eastern Canadians in Alberta, yep, um, yeah. you know, friends of mine and family as well. So, you know, th- there is a lot of opportunity back east. Uh, you know, some of my colleagues may not be happy to hear this, but, uh, you know, there, there are opportunities back east for, for people, at least on a temporary basis, uh, but certainly on a longer-term basis as well. Yeah, I mean, this is a massive project. Uh, Duncan, thank you so much for joining us today. I appreciate your time. Hi, it's Shauna, and I might be a bad parent because my kids think french fries are vegetables. Hey, it's Ryan, and I might be a bad parent because I went out for wings when my wife was in the hospital after giving birth. Johnny here. I might be a bad parent because in my house, the tooth fairy gives pocket change. But we're not alone. Len emailed us and said his six-year-old daughter's Tarzan moment going from love seat to lazy boy by curtains made him more proud than any dance (laughs) recital. And Andy left his two-year-old at the rink. All right, guys, I'm sure we're not alone, like Andy's kid. For stories and confessions like this, make sure you check out our podcast. It's called Bad Parents, and it's available wherever you get your podcasts. I left a glove at the rink.